We are in a season, or in this season of Lent. Lent is a time when we focus on particular themes of Christian faith, such as our mortality, our weakness, our limitations as human beings. But ultimately, Lent is about turning back to God. Lent is about repentance. And today, I want to talk about a repentance that leads to refreshing, a repentance that leads to refreshing. Really, I want to reframe for us how we understand repentance. I think we've gotten some, perhaps some bad teaching throughout the course of our lives, and I think I want to reframe it for us, uh, repentance that leads to refreshing. And so Acts chapter 3, beginning at verse 19, hear the word of God. Repent then and turn back to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that we would walk out of this place joyfully repenting before you. So Lord, teach us by your spirit. Give us ears to hear your voice. Give us eyes to see what you're doing in our lives. Give us, give us a heart to receive every gift you have for us today. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. For Lent this year, Rosie and I decided to fast uh, from certain things. And though some of those things include candies and added sugar and sugary drinks and all of that. Now, this has uh, been hard for me because even though I know that sugar is the enemy, Jesus did say, and I quote, love your enemies. <laughs> and so it feels like I'm kind of disobeying Jesus uh, by not partaking in the sugar, okay, the sugar. Uh, during the season of Lent, Rosie and I have been memorizing Bible verses, and this is one of the verses that we have memorized together. And this verse came in handy over the past couple of weeks. The other day, I went to pick up some groceries, and it was a particularly stressful day. I had a lot on my mind. I was uh, feeling some angst. I was feeling some stress, and, and we were fasting these candies that made me a little more irritable. And so what I really wanted was a Snicker bar. Have you ever just wanted a Snickers bar? I just wanted a Snickers. You've seen the commercials. I just wanted a Snickers bar. Uh, irritated, agitated, angry. I just wanted a Snickers bar. And so I texted Rosie hoping that she would be gentle and understanding of my plight and maybe just join me in this sin of eating this candy that we said we were not going to eat. And so I sent her a text message looking for some gentleness, looking for some support, looking for some permission to eat the candy bar. And so she started texting me back. And so this is the conversation. Don't note that I have 114 unread text messages. Don't worry about that there. But this is what I said. I said, I'm craving a Snickers bar so badly. She said, hold on. Fight the good fight. I give her an LOL. That was more like a, <laughs> and she said, I'm walking home now. And then she told, as I, I was about to go into CVS, and then she gives me the verse there. Therefore, repent and turn back. She knew I was like about to go into the CVS. The spirit told her, therefore, repent and turn turn back. And so I repented. I did not eat the Snicker bar. And I thought that wasn't nice of her. That was just a repent and turn back. 
A couple of days later, Rosie was the one stressed out. She had to run an errand, and in her stress, she wanted one of those sugary drinks from Starbucks. So she texted me, looking for grace and permission <laughs> to join her in this iniquity, to join her in this sin, to purchase this godforsaken drink. And after much thought and prayer, she said, hey, I want to get this uh, chai latte or whatever it was and grande and all that stuff there. And so I, I thought about it for like five seconds and the spirit just spoke to me. And I remember the text that she sent me. <laughs> so just to be consistent in our accountability towards one another, I sent her this image here. Repent. <laughs> Turn from your sin to Jesus. Turn from your sin to Jesus. I don't think she liked the text message there. I'm not sure if he liked it there. In many church circles, uh, and definitely outside the church, there are not many people who like the word repent. There are not many people who like the word repentance because often this word carries with it a lot of religious and moral baggage. This word carries this baggage, and this is sad to me because repentance is one of the more beautiful and one of the more important words that speak about God's amazing grace. And so what I want to do for us today is I want to reframe how we understand repentance, that by the end of this sermon and for the rest of our lives, perhaps, we will joyfully repent before God. And what I believe God wants to give us today is an understanding that repentance is to lead to refreshing. Repentance is to lead to refreshing. And so I want to reframe it, and this is where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 3, where Peter the apostle preaches this sermon and then says these words, repent then and turn back to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you even Jesus. I like how Eugene Peterson in the message translation says it. He says, now it's time to change your ways. Turn to face God so that he can wipe away your sins. Pour out showers of blessing to refresh you, to send you the Messiah he prepared for you, namely Jesus. In Acts chapter 3, right before Peter gives this sermon to the people around him, we see this beautiful miracle that precipitated this powerful sermon. And what happened was a couple of months ago, I preached on Acts chapter 3, where we see a powerful miracle by Peter and John. And this is what happened. There was a lame man who was by this gate called Beautiful in Acts chapter 3. He had been lame for almost 40 years. No one could do anything about it. And one day, Peter and John see this man. They look at him. They say, look at us. And the man thought they were about to give him a donation. But instead of giving him a donation, what they said was this, silver and gold I do not have. Have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the man began to uh, get up, jump, rejoice, praise God. He went into the temple. And it was this miracle was Jesus's way of saying, even though I'm resurrected from the dead, even though I'm at the right hand of the Father, I'm here, I'm alive, I'm working through my people. What the, the miraculous is still possible. And so after the miracle, Peter starts preaching. He starts talking about Jesus. He tells them that Jesus was handed over to be killed, but God raised him from the dead. And, and then Peter begins to elaborate further that because Jesus Christ has been resurrected from the dead, 
There's only one response from us, repentance. Because he is alive, because he's resurrected, we have one thing to do, repent. Now, this is not a new message in the scriptures. In the New Testament, this is something that we see a consistent theme about. When Jesus begins his ministry, the first words out of Jesus' mouth is the word repent. The first words out of Jesus' mouth. This doesn't seem like a good strategy to get people to stick around. The first word out of your mouth is repent. If I got up here, you guys never met me before, and I just said, repent, you guys be throwing stuff at me. Jesus could at least said, good morning, you know, just good morning. But the first thing that came out of Jesus' mouth is repent. That word there is, is metanoia, repent, convert, change your ways, change your mind. And there is a reason why Jesus used that word. Now, typically, when we hear the word repent or repentant, we often understand it through the lens of moralism, through the lens of behavioral modification. And so we hear the word repent, and we think in our minds, do away with your dirty sins. Change your ways. Get in line. Clean yourself up. But when Jesus says for us to repent, Jesus said it in a context of joy and celebration. And repentance is about joy and celebration because the kingdom of God has come near. God has come near to us. This is something to celebrate. This is something to be joyful about. And so Jesus says, repent. He doesn't stop there and believe the good news. This is celebration. This is joy. And so the proper response to the invasion of God into human history is to joyfully align my life to what God is asking of me. And this is supposed to be something of joy, something of celebration. And so repentance really is this. Repentance is a radical change of direction, what I'm saying, calling it coming home in response to God's grace. A radical change of direction coming home in response to God's grace. Now, that is to say, and let me do some theological nuancing here. That is to say that repentance does not equal remorse. Remorse might come with repentance, but remorse alone does not equal repentance. Because you can feel bad about something you did, but not do anything to change it. You can feel bad about talking behind somebody's back and going, oh, how could I do that? I just feel so bad that I did that. And then the next opportunity comes, you go, let me tell you what happened. That's like remorse. You felt bad in the moment, but there was not a radical change of direction in response to God's grace. You can feel deep remorse about something and still not be repentant. And this is the mystery of sin, isn't it? The mystery of sin is that simultaneously we love our sin and hate our sin at the same time. We love our sin and we hate our sin simultaneously. And so you can feel remorse about something you've done, but still not change your ways. It's about a radical adjustment. I like how Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it, one of my favorite quotes from the German theologian, He said it this way, and and, and hear this image here. He says, if you board the wrong train, it is no use running along the corridor in the other direction. 
If you take the R train and you're going downtown, you go, oh, I got on the wrong train, but going downtown, you could run back as much as you like. You're still going downtown. And that's remorse. Remorse is you're going in this direction, and you go, oh, I feel bad, but you're trying to, but you're still on the train. Repentance means get off the train. Get on another train. Go uptown. And so there's a big difference between feeling bad about something and changing your direction as a response to God's grace. And so repentance is a change of direction, not just anywhere. It's a change of direction where you are going home, coming home to God. And this change of direction is why David was a man after God's own heart in the Old Testament. David was a repentant man. David did all this crazy stuff in the Old Testament killing people, adultery, all this crazy stuff. And yet, the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. How could it be? I'll tell you why. Because when David was confronted by something he did, something he said, whether it was through God, whether it was through a prophet, David just didn't feel remorse about it. David was repentant about it. David said, I need to go in another direction. I need to change my ways. I need to do something about it. He was a man after God's own heart. This is why Zacchaeus in the Gospel of Luke becomes, in some respects, like a New Testament version of David. Zacchaeus is this tax collector that has exploited many people, overcharging them taxes, the poor, the marginalized. He's taking advantage of these people, living off of them. And then one day, he encounters the grace of God in Jesus. Jesus comes over his home. Zacchaeus is so convicted to be in the presence of this loving, grace-filled Jesus that he just doesn't say, oh, man, I can't believe, I feel so bad about all the stuff that I've done to those people over these years. This is terrible. He could have just stopped there. That's remorse. But Zacchaeus went a step further into repentance, and this is what happens. After he encounters Jesus, he says, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said, today, salvation has come to this house. If he said, look, Lord, I feel really bad about it. Jesus would have said, and? And what are you going to do about it? No, I just feel bad about it. I just feel really bad that I did that. That's remorse. But the moment he says, not only do I feel bad about it, I'm going to do something about it. Jesus said, today, salvation has come to this house. And so repentance is a radical change of direction, coming home to the heart of God as a response to the grace of God. Now, repentance calls us to turn around and see God's goodness towards us and to reorient our lives in light of that reality. And when I look at my life, when I look at our church, and when I look at our city, when I look at our country, when I look at the political uh, atmosphere right now, one thing is for certain, we have a lot of repenting to do. Individually, as a country, we have a lot of repenting to do. We need to repent in at least Three ways. I was going to do 20, but we only have three. We only have a few minutes here, but, but we need to repent in at least three ways. We all need to repent for the way and the ways that we treat certain people. There's certain people in our world that are demonized, that whether because of their religion, their sexual orientation, the color of their skin, their immigration status in our country, 
or specific sins that rub us the wrong way, we demonize people. We treat them a particular way. And so on a regular basis, we are to be offering to God our lack of compassion. On a regular basis, we're offering to God our judgmentalism. On a regular basis, we're offering to God our prejudice, our, our stereotyping of people. And when you look at Jesus, most of the people who Jesus told to repent were not the, peop- the person who was at the club on Saturday night and woke up too late to attend church on Sunday morning. The people that Jesus said repent were often the people who came to church on time. It was the religious people. Those are the people that Jesus said, you need to just align your heart to the heart of God. And so let me ask you, who have you been unkind to? Who have you been unloving to? Who have you been avoiding? All of us, to one degree or another, are called to repent, to come home. We also need to repent for the things that we have done and things that we have left undone. Often we sin in the things that we say, we sin in the things that we do, and often we sin in the things that we refuse to say and refuse to do. That when we see injustice, we refuse to say anything about it. We refuse to act on it. Lord, forgive us for what we've done and forgive us for what we have not done. Forgive us for the the, the sins we've committed. Forgive us for for the things we've omitted to do. This is why when we take communion, and at the end of our uh, message here, we're going to take communion together, that we pray prayers of confession like this, which say, Almighty God, my Heavenly Father, I have sinned against you through my own fault, in thought, in word, in deed, in what I have done, and what I have left undone. It kind of just covers it all, that all of us, to some degree, need to come home to repent. We also need to repent for the ways we've lived our lives without God. Parker Palmer said that really one of the biggest issues in Christianity are believers who are functional atheists. Believers who are functional, that we say we believe in God. In our heart, we say, I believe that, I believe that. But in our hearts, we're not trusting God. In our hearts, we are we're functional. We make decisions without consulting with God. We live a prayerless existence prayerless lives, self-sufficiency, I'll handle it by myself. And the word of God to us is that we are to repent, we are to turn as in a response to the grace of God. And when we begin to change our direction, the Bible says that God will do a couple of things for us. And it's beautiful in Acts chapter 3. Absolutely beautiful what God will do if we would turn towards him as a response to his grace. In verse 19, Peter's preaching this message, and he says the first thing that God will do is God will wipe out your sin. And I love it. He says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, blotted out, taken away. This is the best news in the world. And you, you really can celebrate this when you know how all the mistakes that we've made. When you hear this message, the people who deeply can appreciate this are those that are deeply aware of their own frailty, deeply aware of their own uh, humanity, deeply aware of our own sinfulness. When you're deeply aware of it, all of a sudden you begin to celebrate verses like this. Wow, wiped out, blotted out. He does away with our sins permanently. Back in high school, and in college days, I would write a lot of papers. 
And because of all the mistakes I've made, whether typing or whether writing, handwriting these essays and what have you, I was really grateful for this, this product called uh, Whiteout. Anybody use Whiteout before? Yeah, 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 of course you have. Do they still use Whiteout nowadays? Are we still doing it? Oh, okay, Justin, I don't, I don't, I'm not writing papers anymore. You know. But you look at Whiteout. I, I mean, most of my papers have Whiteout all over the place there. But what was interesting about it is that although it covered your error, although it covered your mistake, you could still track and trace your mistakes. You did it on the outside, but if you just look under the paper, you see, oh, look at that, and that mistake, and that mistake, and that mistake. You see it all. And sometimes you think that's how God forgives us. The God says, okay, I'll cover you, but God says, but I got a record. I know exactly what you did. I can still see it. But when, when Peter says that God wipes it out, he's not talking about using, he's talking about backspace, everybody, okay? He's not talking about why. He's saying there is no trace of it. This is permanent. And this is the best news in the world. That because of our sin, he says, when you repent, when you change your direction as a response to my grace, I don't wipe your sins out. I backspace your sins out. They're, they're wiped out cleanly, blotted out. And not only does he promise that our sins will be wiped out, he goes a step further and says that you will experience times of refreshing as well. Anybody need some refreshing today? Just some of you tired, burned out, worn out, dry. I need some refreshing every single day. And he says, if you repent, there is some refreshing that is waiting for you. Times of refreshing, seasons of refreshing. God has spiritual refreshing for you. And the amount of, of, of spiritual refreshment that we enjoy is in direct proportion to the repentance that we engage in. The amount of spiritual refreshment that we enjoy is in direct proportion to the amount of repentance that we engage in. And so if we, if we repent a lot before God, oh, God has some refreshing for you. If you repent a little bit, ah, uh, not so much. But he says, if you turn, I have some refreshing for you. And here, the, here this word, the range of meaning, when he says refreshing, is, is here this, is just deep breathing or exhaling. Refreshment after being heated with labor or running. So many of us are so tired, busy, running everywhere. It speaks of any kind of refreshment that leads to rest or deliverance from evils of any kind. And there's going to come a day where Jesus Christ fully reigns, fully rules, and the entire world will be refreshed. But until that happens, he says, although it has not happened in its totality, for those of you that follow me, for those of you that repent, for those of you that turn back, for those of you that repent and, and, and turn from your ways, there is spiritual refreshment coming your way. Listen, I love Gatorade, I love the spa, I love all the refreshing things, but those things are, are temporary. What God says is, I will give you seasons, times of refreshing. What do we have to do? Repent, come home. Come home. And when we come home, God's waiting to refresh us. To be refreshed means that God has a life for you. There's an energy that he has for you, a vitality 
a joy that's unspeakable, a peace that passes all understanding. He says, I I have this refreshment for you, a, a, a freedom from guilt and shame. A freedom from your conscience just just hammering you down. There is seasons and times of refreshing. And it only can happen, he says, from the Lord. Only the Lord can truly refresh you. And so God's saying, come home. Because I want to refresh you. And we long to come home. I meet many people that have made some really bad decisions. And they want to come home to God. They want to come back to church. They want to start reading the Bible again. They want to pray. They they long to come home. They long for it. And yet, they don't repent. Because deep down inside, they believe that God will not take them back. That God will not welcome them home. But when you repent, you're not changing God's mind about you. You're changing your mind about God. Repentance is not changing God's mind about you. Repentance is about changing your mind about God. When you repent, it's not as if you're living rebellion, you're you're, you're wandering from home, you're doing whatever you want, and as you're wandering, God says, I cannot stand this person, I can't believe they're doing that, I I can't stand, they're about to, and then all of a sudden you repent, and God says, I'm just kidding, come on, come on, come on, I love you, I love you. No. God's love is unconditional. God's love is perfect, which is to say there's no sin that you can do that makes God love you less. And there's nothing great that you can do that will make God love you more. God's love is consistent. God's love is unconditional. Repentance is not changing God's mind about you. Repentance is changing your mind about God. And Jesus came to help us change our minds about God, to come home. Because he wants to receive us. Repentance is God's way of saying, come home. All is forgiven. There's a great and famous Spanish story that came out of Spain of a father and son um, who had become estranged from each other. The son ran away and the father set off to find him. And he searched for months uh, to no avail. And finally, in a last desperate effort to find his son, the father put an ad in the Madrid newspaper. And this is what the ad said. It said, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. Story goes that on that Saturday, 800 young men named Paco showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. We all long to come home. We all long to return to that place of safety and love in God. But we often don't. Now listen, to be far from home is not a geographical thing. Listen, you can live in the church and be far from God. It's not a geographical thing. To be far from home is an issue of your heart. And we wander often. The hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. 
That all of us, we wander, not on an annual basis, not on a monthly basis, not on a week. We wander on a minute-by-minute basis. In one moment, you're just praising God, you love God, and then all of a sudden, something triggers you to remember something that happened last week. And all of a sudden, all the worship before God has been changed to something else. We wander. Our hearts wander so very easily, and yet God says, come home over and over and over again. He says, I have refreshment for you. And yet, often we don't turn back. Often we don't repent. And there are really two reasons why, out of many. But two came to me this past week. That the reason, the reason we don't repent and consistently is first because we feel good being our own God. Control. We feel good being our own God. That's why we... We don't turn back. To repent means to set aside that which is inconsistent with the heart of God. To let go of control. Controlling all the things in your life that's inconsistent with the heart of God. And sometimes we just want to control. It feels good to be in control. It feels good to have certain uh, emotions and feelings geared towards other people. Listen, sometimes it feels good to hold a grudge against that person. It just feels empowering. You just feel, I just, yes, I love not liking that person. This is, after what that person did to me, and yet repentance says, align your heart to mine. What is it saying? Let go of control. But often we feel good being our own God. The other reason why we don't repent is not just that we feel good being our our own God. It's we find it hard to believe that God is good. Fear. So it's control and it's fear. And this is fundamentally about our vision of who God is. When Jesus came, Jesus came to reveal a God, not, that, not who we should be afraid of. A God that we should see the immense love that he's pouring out on us. Jesus came, Brennan Manning says, to give us the, the, the revelation that God is Abba, that God is Father. That's why Jesus came. The primary reason why Jesus came is to show us the heart of God, to show us what God is really like. And the reason why we gather on Sunday mornings for worship and singing and preaching and all that is to get an accurate vision of who God is. Abba. An accurate picture. So that in light of this revelation of who God is, that we would joyfully repent. In Romans 2, it says, it is the kindness of God. That leads to repentance. It is not you repent so that you can receive the kindness of God. It's the kindness of God has already come to you. Therefore, repent. Therefore, come home. God wants to receive you. The best story of repentance is in the New Testament. I, think, I believe of all literature that's been written. It's a story we tell at New Life quite regularly. It's a story about the prodigal son. In Luke 15, it's a story about repentance. It's a story about coming home. But it's a difficult story because for the prodigal son to return home is very difficult. And as I've been reading this passage again over the past couple of weeks, I think I got a fresh angle for us to consider. I don't think we've considered perhaps this angle of the prodigal son story that we've heard over and over and over again. For those of you not familiar with the story, there were two sons and one father. 
the younger son said, give me my portion of the inheritance. The only way you would get your inheritance from your father is if your father died, and then the inheritance would go to you. So by telling his father, give me my stuff right now, he's basically saying, dad, drop dead. Give me my stuff. And so he tells his father, basically, drop dead, give me my stuff. The father gives him his portion of the inheritance. And the son goes out to spend his money on the craziest things. And at one point, he loses all his money. He spends all his money. And not only did he spend all his money, there was a famine in the land. So bad that he could not buy any food. He had to eat the the slop that the pigs were eating. And at that point, he comes to himself. The Bible says he comes to himself, and he says, I can come back home. And when you read the story, here's the angle. When the son returns, the son returns with selfish motivation. The son returns with an impure heart. He, he doesn't come back because of a renewed love for his father. He doesn't say, I can't believe I did that against my father. I, I, how could I hurt his heart that way? I need to come back to my father's house. He doesn't come back because of, re, of a renewed love for his father. He comes back to survive. He comes back because he realizes, if I'm here by myself, I can't survive. He comes back with impure motives. He comes back with selfish motivation. And yet the father does not require a higher motivation for him to come home. The father says, if the only reason you come home is because you cannot survive out there, come on home. He doesn't say to him, what's the real reason you're back here, son? Well, because uh, I I can't survive. No, no. When you find love for me, then you can come back home. He doesn't say that. The story actually goes that as the son is is rehearsing his speech, what he's going to say to his father, the father sees him in the distance. He runs over to his son. No explanations needed. No higher motivation needed. The fact that you are still home, your back home is enough for me. If you have children and your children your child wanders away, and you, you haven't seen them for a while, and you're concerned about them. When they come back home, you're saying to them, listen, your room is the same there. I got some soup for you. I'm just so glad you are home. And when we repent, that's the heart of God for you. I'm so glad that you're home. I'm so glad that you're back. He welcomes us with this embrace of love. And when we repent, we don't turn back to see a God with clenched fists ready to pounce on us. When we repent, we turn back to see a God with open hands waiting to embrace us. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. I love how how Henry Nowen says it, and I'll close with this. Let these words refresh you today. Let these words wash over you today. He says, God does not require a pure heart before embracing us. Even if we return only because following our desires has failed to bring happiness, God will take us back. Even if we return because being a Christian brings us more peace than being a pagan, God will receive us. Even if we return because our sins did not offer as much satisfaction as we had hoped, God will take us back. God's love does not require any explanations about why we are returning. God is glad to see us home and wants to give us all we desire just for being home. So why delay? God is standing there with open arms waiting to embrace me. He won't ask any questions about my past. 
Just having me back is all he desires. At the end of the day, repentance is not about how bad you are. Repentance is about how good God is. And this is why repentance is to be celebrated. This is why repentance is one of the more beautiful and joyful words. Because it speaks of a God who will receive you in spite of everything that we've done. He says, come on home. Come on home. And so for me to tell you today, everybody repent. Usually we hear that word, we get nervous. Oh, no. But today we hear it through the lens and see it through the lens of joy and celebration. That we serve a God who loves you with an everlasting love. Whose love is unconditional. And regardless of how far you've strayed and wandered away, he'll take you back in a second. Come on home. Amen. I want to invite you to close your eyes for a moment. I want to invite the worship team to come forward and those who are offering communion. One of the ways that we come home is by taking communion. But before we do that, I want you to consider just a question for a moment. Are you far from home today? Are you far from home today? Has your heart wandered from God? And the invitation is to repent, to joyfully turn to a God who has open arms longing to embrace you. Let's take a couple of seconds and just, maybe you want to offer your own longings before God. Maybe you want to just say, Lord, I want to come back home. Lord, give me desire to come back home. Teach me to come back home. Let's pause and then we'll, we'll take communion together. invite you to stand as we prepare to take communion. Communion is a way of coming home. The same way that prayer, when we pray, where our hearts are saying, I want to come back home. When we read scripture, something is saying, Lord, I want to come back home. Even imperfectly, I want to come. So when we come to the table of grace, it's a way of saying, Lord, I'm coming home today. So before we come forward, hear, hear these words of Scripture over you. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup after supper gave thanks and gave it to them saying 
drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, we come together to the table of grace. Lord, thank you for receiving us. Teach us to turn from ways that are destructive. Teach us to turn from ways that are inconsistent with your heart. Lead us on the path of everlasting life. We come to the table based not in our name, but in your name. Not in our works, but in your works. Not in our performance, but in your performance. We come in the name of Jesus. He died, buried, and was resurrected on the third day. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Come get the bread, dip in the cup, and go back to your seat, and I'll lead us together. I want to give us a moment before we pray that prayer of confession together to offer your own repentance before God. My prayer is that, really for the rest of your life, that you would see repentance out of a, in a celebratory, joyful way. And God says, listen, anytime now, you can come back. You can come back. Come on home, repent. So every time, it's, it's God's embrace of us. It's God's welcome back home. It's God's way of saying, listen, you doing things yourself, how's that working out for you? It ain't. Come on home. So let's offer our own repentance before God, and then we'll, we'll pray this together. Just take a moment in the silence of your own heart to offer, offer God the ways you've wandered from him this past week. pray this prayer of confession together and the reason we do it together is all of us are confessing out loud saying we're all in the same boat here we've all messed up but we're all coming home together it's our confession as the people of God together and so let's pray this out together almighty God my heavenly father I have sinned against you through my own fault in thought in word in deed in what I have done in what I have left undone for the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive me all my offenses and grant that I may serve you in newness of life, the glory of your name. Amen. Let's all take together. close, I want to invite our prayer team to come to my right. And just as a reminder for those of you on this side, it would really help us to just take a chair and just put it on the side and on that side as well. You guys can stay there. But as we close, there's really uh, two invitations for two kinds of people. The first kind is for some of you that maybe you have never, you've never come home, ever. You've never made a decision to say to God, God, forgive me my sin. I, I repent and I'm coming home. You've never made that decision. And for those of you that never made a decision, Jesus Christ died and resurrected for you. He wants to pour out life. He wants to refresh you. 
And if you've never made a decision to follow Christ, you can come up for prayer. Or there's a card in your bulletin that says, I want to make a decision for Christ today. You can fill that out as well and hand it to someone downstairs. That's the first kind of person. The second kind of person is for you that you are a follower of Christ. You have been baptized. You have been involved in ministry and various things, but you know your heart is far from God. And God is saying to you, come on home. Come on home. Right where you're at right now, just come on home. Right, however, even if your repentance is imperfect, come home. If your repentance is with selfish motivations, come home. If you can't figure it out in your mind, just come on home. We'll work on the details later. Come on home. And so we have our prayer team here that would love to pray with you. And as they were, receive you back into the heart of God through prayer. So as we close, I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. This is the best news in the world. The best news in the world. And so with your hands in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. May he fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, coming home to God. May you offer multiple acts of repentance to God this week as the Spirit leads you. May you repeatedly come home when your heart wanders far from God. And so I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the welcoming name of Jesus. And the people of God said, amen. Grace and peace, everyone.